You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. As always on a Tuesday, it's time for It's My Money with Brenthurst Wealth. And from Brenthurst Wealth today is Rene Egar. And, you know, we cut through all the noise and all the headlines and just get back to basics, I think, Rene. And you sent me a piece called Some Practicals, Do's and Don'ts When Investing. And I suppose what I, my introduction tells the whole story, it doesn't matter what's going on around you, you have to stick to your principles. Absolutely. Lindsay, thanks for having me on your show. It's a pleasure. So navigating through the unpredictable territory of investing can be very challenging and stressful for especially new investors. And, you know, although the concept of investing is quite simple, there are actually many pitfalls that can trip you up along the way. And, you know, even people who consider themselves to be financially savvy they still get get caught up in in these few points that I'm going to make today, um, and even you know to make to make matters worse, according to some um, surveys they've done overseas, people under financial stress can actually lose as much as thirteen percent of their IQ points, and I found this so interesting because this is exactly what we as advisors. Are trying to are trying to fend all the time. So people often make panic or emotion based decisions, and this often translates into into poor investment decisions. So you know, I just think that although people do make mistakes, it is quite easier easy if you you know if you get a financial advisor that can help you get back and back on track, as long as you stay in the game. So. You know, like it, like people always say, like you can't, you can't judge the market if you're not invested. So you have to be in it to win it, kind of thing. Yeah. So okay. I think I see what you mean, but let's let's go to your points. It says don't react emotionally to what is portrayed in the media. In other words, I'll give you a great example from my personal perspective. Everyone talks about Tesla all the time. Tesla's gone up X hundred percent, but on the other hand, you have to dig beneath that and say. Well, its P.E. ratio is now something absurd that's never been seen before for a company of its type. So you get caught up in it. You get the fear of missing out. and You want to open an online account and buy Tesla. But perhaps step back a little bit and say, OK, I may have missed out on the first 100%, but I do want to miss out on the fall of 50%, if you see what I mean. Exactly, Lindsay. And that's the that's the challenge that we have on a daily basis. So especially in today's world, you know, you've got social media in your face. You've got Facebook and all these um, forums that are so easily available to you. And I must say that, you know, I've been in the in the industry for 23 years now, and I must say that lately, like all the, all the stuff that is on media and, and everybody on social media is actually – creating more panic amongst investors than ever. And it, it causes people to make hasty deci- decisions. And, you know, what I'd just like to, to remind people that is that bad news always sells. So, you know, you can't, you can't kind of sit around a braai and get investment advice. And, you know, you, you have to spend time in understanding what your portfolio is about. So, you know, people will see, okay, the JSC is down 14% for the day and then phone your financial advisor in a panic. But in actual fact, your 
portfolio is not even correlated to the JSC or maybe only 20% correlated to the to the JSC. So that plays a big role. If you can try and strip the emotion out of it, you will make better investment decisions. Yes, and that goes to your point in point number two. It says don't check your investment balances every day because it's not a daily thing. If it was a daily thing, then you'd be a day trader and you'd give up your job and then probably lose everything and your family and everything. You see what I mean? You can't do this every single day. It's a long-term process. And just if I was a financial advisor... I would just take a graph of the JSE or the Dow Jones or the S&P or something over the last 50 years, or maybe even further than that, mm. and say, look at what has happened. And see those little blips, those little things to the downside? They were just moments in time. It's, it, it's nothing to do with the daily stuff. Number three, you say, don't try and time the market or expect that of anyone. First of all, it's a mugs game. And secondly, it, it's expensive. Totally, Lindsay. So what you must remember is, you know, trying to to figure out the best time to enter the market or exit the market is a bad idea on every level. You know, someone who um, I would say sits in front of these big trading screens all the time, those guys can't even time the market, you know. So I often get calls from clients where they say to me, you know, speculate on the currency or what is the offshore market going to do in the next 12 to 18 months? And the bottom line is, if I knew all of these answers, I would be a billionaire. And, you know, the whole trick of it is to to devise a plan for a client. And my best advice to people is to actually, you know, not procrastinate. I, I have so many clients where um, – you know, you kind of derive a financial proposal for them and a, and a strategy, and then they take six to eight months to come back to you, for example. Yes. And you, they've actually missed the boat in, in, in some, even though it does even, over, even out over the long term, they actually missed the boat by just procrastinating on those decisions. So, you know, I think it's very, very, very important to to understand that. And you know, a lot of the calls I get is, what is the RAND going to do? What is the RAND dollar going to do? And the bottom line is, you know, the RAND can fluctuate sometimes on a daily basis by 80 cents to the dollar. You know, how would we know? How would we know that it, you know, was going to weaken or was going to strengthen? And not even the, the top fund managers can actually speculate on the RAND. So, you know, on a diversified approach, all those little ups and downs, whether it be the U.S. market or the currency or the local market, on the end, even even each other out. And, you know, that's the way you grow your money and you you get above um, – well, you get inflation-beating returns effectively. If anyone asks you about the RAND, just um, say that, well, when Lindsay Williams came to South Africa in 1988, uh, $1 bought you $1.9. Rand, it's now buying you seventeen twenty. Seventeen oh two this and, morning. And if they don't want to go back that far, just say what was it doing on January the first of this year? It was fourteen to the US dollar. It's now seventeen point yeah. two to the US dollar. The long term trend is down, so that answers you. Don't need to make a recommendation. You just say, look at these graphs, and uh, you can make your own assumptions. Number four, your point number four: don't ignore fees. Be aware and sensible, but don't get too caught upon 
paying experts fees as they can add alpha to your investment. What is your stance on fees? I mean, for example, when you assess a fund manager with which to place your clients' funds, is the fee structure important to you? You know, Lindsay, that's a that's a very good point. And you know, as advisors, we obviously want to to give our clients the the best deal. And you know, I feel very passionate about this in the sense that, you know, the last five to ten, well, I would say the last five to ten years, there's one particular asset manager in South Africa that caught the the eye of the end client by offering low fees and, you know, come directly to us. You won't go wrong. Can I just tell you something now? All those clients are beating down our doors, okay? Because people try to avoid fees and now they're going on five to seven to even 10 years worth of underperformance because they have didn't want to pay an advisor fee or, you know, have a bit of a, a diversified fee range. So I feel very, very um, strongly that, you know, don't – fees are an issue. And, yes, you can cut them where you can. And obviously us as financial advisors, we want to do the absolute best for our clients. But don't do it by jeopardizing your portfolio. So, you know, an example I was doing the other day, um, a client who came to me who what, who had direct unit trusts um, with this particular company, and we did some comparisons. And, you know, after fees, we were able to produce a 3 or 4% above inflation return where that person in the particular fund had not even performed that. So what I'm saying is, yes, fees are an issue. Do what makes you feel comfortable and I definitely believe that having a financial advisor could make you more savvy on your decisions and prove and improve your returns because you know who's going to tell you to switch out of this fund manager when they're underperforming they then you know clients are not the ones that that see the end fund manager that get the all the fund managers in a boardroom table around them so I just think you know yes concentrate on fees and we'll do the best that we can within our ability but it's not i don't believe it's everything that makes an investment a good investment if you know what i'm saying i do okay so you've got to balance the as someone that's overcharging you with someone that's undercharging you and you've got to get somewhere in the middle in other words there has to be an equitable relationship between the person that's providing you a service but the amount that they are charging you okay i understand okay we've done the don'ts now let's do the do's and there's quite a few of them so we've got to keep them pretty brief do consolidate while diversifying do make an effort to understand how you are invested and according to what criteria criteria, uh, make use of all your tax concessions. Let's take the first two, make an effort to understand how you are invested. So in other words, you don't just take the view of the advisor or the fund manager, you've actually got to ask them, why are they recommending this particular asset class or this particular security? Is that what you're saying when you say make an effort? Correct. So, you know, clients are, you know, quite, all they want to do is they want to know what the return will be at the end of the day. But, um, the, the importance that I'm trying to 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 um, to, to specify is that people actually take the time to understand what they're investing in, and basically, you know, technically, most of your clients don't know 
the difference between an equity and a bond. Yes. They just want to see the return. So all I'm saying is take a interest in what you're investing it in. Even if it's your basic knowledge, I would say that you need to be informed because although your advisor is responsible for your you know, your well-being and your financial well-being, you also need to understand what you are invested in. It's the same thing that goes. Everybody's risk, like your Tesla example earlier, you know, everyone is aggressive until they're losing money and then they're not, then they're not aggressive. So, yes, I want 20% upside, but can I take 20% downside? No. So, you know, you have to manage that kind of risk versus return. Okay, you make a point about diversification, but we've done that so many times, it's obvious. You diversify your asset classes according to the advice of your reputable financial advisor, but just don't have all your eggs in one basket. Uh, make use of all your tax concessions available is point number three of the do's. And of course, that is, again, your tax advisor or your financial advisor will help you with that. Uh, the final point, though, is keep a long-term view. And that's so important. As I said, give that's the first thing I would do if I was a financial advisor, put a long-term grant in front of them and say just have a look at that and you see that tiny blip there in 1987 and that one in um, 1998 okay they were meaningful at the time but they meant nothing in the big picture the 100 year picture so just stay long term and don't get out in and out unless you're a day trader correct Lindsay you know it's inevitable that your investment will go up and down but if you look at it over the long term it becomes less significant and you know, I will say that that nowadays, with the market being so volatile and so lumpy, and I'm not talking about locally, I'm talking about offshore as well, that I would say even longer term horizon is is probably more probable. Like your minimum investment term should be should be three years if you're investing in any equity type of thing. Um, and yeah, I do believe that risk still equals return, and you have to find that fine balance in your investment portfolio. Okay, three years I think is short term actually, but uh, depending on your age, but I, I think I would go five years and above, but you're the expert. Renee, thank you so much for bringing us down to earth again and making us realise that there are certain principles that always prevail no matter what the current conditions. That's Renee Egar from Brenthurst Wealth and that was It's My Money. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.